This is Ibarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the beautiful and intuitive website publishing platform that allows anyone to easily create professional web pages, blogs, online stores, and galleries on a single platform. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6. Though any visit to one of these photographic forums online may reveal a, a population of mostly men who want to talk about and argue about gear, the reality is, is that there are a lot of women out there who are picking up the camera and finding ways to express themselves with it. Women have always been a big part of photography. Even, even during times when it was really considered a male dominated art form, there were, there were plenty of women picking up the camera and doing just wonderful and amazing things with it. And it's no less so now. Um, the, the internet, the opportunity to dialogue and network with other photographers has resulted in a lot of women not only picking up the camera and making photographs, but connecting to each other and creating an amazing support group for the creation and the art of photography. Today's guest, Sarah Allegra, is, is a photographer who I met recently, and she is part of that generation of people who pick up the camera and they start experimenting on themselves in terms of putting themselves in front of the camera so they're both the subject and the photographer. But eventually it evolves into something much more substantive. It's more than just capturing these selfies, that uh, the term that's often used when you're taking a picture of yourself, particularly with a cell phone, but it's really about exploring ideas and concepts that speak to how can this particular artist express something not only about themselves, but share something that connects them to the world and the viewers that take a look at their photographs. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's always nice when I get to talk to a local, and I hope that uh, you really enjoy our conversation with Sarah Allegra. Yeah, when I saw the article that uh, Tim had written you on the Altadena blog, mm-hmm. um, I was really curious to talk to you. Not just because you were, were local, mm-hmm. but I liked certain aspects of of your of your story. Um, it's really interesting to see somebody who's been shooting for a relatively short period of time, mm-hmm. but who is very inventive in terms of, of the work. <laughs> you were you were in front of the camera be, before, right? So. Um, to, to, to tell me about that leap from being in front of the camera to wanting to be in control and have the camera in your own hand. Uh, the main reason was just because I had ideas that I thought were would make really good photos. Um, and I was doing a lot of modeling. Well, not a lot of modeling, but I was modeling for art photographers at the time. Um, and I would always try and convince them to uh, do these ideas that I had and they were never interested because you know photographers are always interested <laughs> in their own ideas and now that I'm on that end of it I can understand that better um, but it was really just a, a frustration of like I believe in these ideas so much I think that these would really make great photos so I just started messing around with it and trying to bring them to life on my own. Had you ever done 
much create some stuff creatively because I saw that you had some sketches on there. Is, is that yeah. how it started off initially? Uh, I've always been kind of uh, artsy and creative. Um, mostly, I did drawing and painting growing up. Um, I was doing a lot of acrylics and watercolors shortly before I moved into photography. Um, and I was kind of getting frustrated with that too. Um, at that time, I started getting some pretty bad tendonitis in my uh, forearm. So doing the brushing and the um, and the drawing uh, was becoming more and more painful to do. Um, so photography, again, was a way that I was like, oh, this is going to be a much quicker way to get across an idea that I have. Um, although at this point, you know, I may spend 40 hours editing a photo. So it's kind of like oh, come <laughs> full circle <laughs> and it's not a quicker process anymore, but I still like it much better. So did you immediately start leaping into photographing, manipulating images, coming up with concepts? I had concepts coming all the time and I've kept notebooks um, pretty much my entire photographic career. Um, so I, I always had ideas. Um, it took a while for me to be able to figure out how to execute most of them. Um, there was a lot of just trial and error. Um, luckily, my husband uh, is a pretty good photographer himself, so he was able to teach me the basics of um, speed and f-stops and that kind of thing. Um, and he was able to help help me figure out at least some of the basics of how I wanted to try and get these things across, but mostly it was just a lot of trial and error. <laughs> tutorials online that kind of thing oh yeah yeah so so tell us about some of that early work you use yourself primarily as, mm -hmm. as as the model for a lot of those 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 images and that can always sort of it's one thing to be in front of a, a model to be a model for mm -hmm. another photographer but it's one thing to have to do both yes so that must have involved some some challenges tell me about yes. that uh, a lot of uh setting the 10 second timer and running over to my spot and posing and trying to get in place um, at the start of things. Uh, eventually, I graduated up to a uh, remote um, that sets off the, the trigger, um, which I still use today, and that's my, my favorite method. But um, it was mostly, I mostly was using myself as a model just because I didn't really, I wasn't super serious about it when I started it. It was just like, oh, I have these ideas that um, I would like to make into photos, but you know, I don't know how they're going to turn out because I've only been doing this like a month. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to try and involve another person in it and potentially waste their time and my time when things may or may not turn out right. So um, it was just, it was more, it was more difficult certainly to try and learn both shooting uh, and doing modeling at the same time. Um, but I think that it, it was more of like a crash course in a way. So um, I think it helped me learn things more quickly, even if it was a little bit more brutal of a way to yeah. learn them. Did you find that the, it, um, that there was a, a certain point or a certain set of images where you felt like, okay, I'm finally getting it? Not just not just technically mm -hmm. in terms of what you were doing with the mechanics of the camera, but feeling like, okay, that that concept, that idea that I originally have, it's manifested itself in, in the photograph. There's one photo um, that's a self-portrait that um, – just turned out really well um and looking back on it um it was sort of i feel like it was a turning point in my photography um it was not necessarily representative of my work as a whole at that point um but i feel like that's the part the the point when i started 
kind of getting into the images that I make today um, and becoming more of, well, just less crappy, you know, yeah. a, a better photographer. Can you tell me a little about the, the photograph? What what was the concept? What did it look like? Uh, it was, um, it's a self-portrait. Um, I'm sitting in a hall. It's actually up on the wall over there. Um, but uh, it was inspired by um, James William Waterhouse, who's a pre-Raphaelite painter. Uh, he's my very favorite painter. And I was leafing through one of his books one day with his bunch of photos of his paintings. Um, and I just felt like I'm going to try and create something that's kind of waterhousey. And so we always call it the waterhouse photo, um, even though it actually has a different title. But um, uh, that, yeah, it was mostly just wanting to kind of emulate his style. And the work that came subsequent to that, I mean, did you find that you know, you, artists talk about hitting a, a groove or getting mm -hmm. into a zone. Was that sort of part of that, or was there still a lot of sort of hit and misses? And there were certainly a lot of hit and misses after that. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, it's probably been the past, I would say, year and a half, maybe, that I felt like things are really kind of getting where I want them to be. Um, you know, the the Waterhouse photo was taken, I think, in 2010, but there was, I'm pretty sure there's nothing else that I took in 2010 that I still use in my portfolio. Um, that one was sort of ahead of its time in, in that way. Um, and of course, you know, you tend to fill your portfolio with whatever's most recent. Um, but uh, I feel like it's about the past year or so that I really feel like okay, this is where I want to be with my photography. And while, you know, you always want to be a little bit further along, but I'm like getting there. You know, what was interesting uh, when I was reading that article was, was the fact that you weren't just using yourself because you were, it was convenient, mm -hmm. but you really wanted to express something about your own, your own body, your own physicality. You yeah. mentioned that, you know, you had suffered from some physical ailments mm -hmm. and that these photographs were a way of sort of expressing that physical experience and interpreting it in terms mm -hmm. of a photograph. If you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought yeah. that was I thought that was kind of fascinating in terms of how you you personalized the concept because it wasn't just some sort of well, here's a visual image I'd like to recreate, but you were trying to express something very very personal. Yeah, um, the uh, the illness is called uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis in most of the world, or ME. Uh, we usually call it either fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome in the U.S. Um, I tend to like ME better because it's it's actually more indicative of what the illness is. Um, but uh, but you know we don't almost nobody in the U.S. knows that so. Um, I use all of the names. Um, so it makes you very tired all the time. It's basically like you have the flu uh, without necessarily the nausea part of it or the vomiting, but you're just sort of that tired hmm. um, all the time. Uh, they believe it's a neurologic condition, maybe autoimmune, but nobody's really sure right now. Um, there's some work being done to um, study it further and maybe eventually get some sort of treatment forward for, but right now we're just kind of left on our own which is a frustrating situation to be in as yeah. you can imagine so um frustrating situations tend to produce photos in my uh in my world um so 
as I was starting to realize, okay, this isn't just, uh, you know, I'm tired and I need to rest. This is actually something that's going to be here for uh, at least a while. Um, and going to different doctors and different doctors and not getting answers. Uh, it was a very frustrating process. So um, part of getting that out was just um, portraying that in the photos, um, which that started fairly early on because it was such a visceral experience for me to be going through. Um, but it's still something that um, that I continue to work with the most recent photo that I put up, which was just today, is another one that's sort of in that series of photos. Um, but it's been it's been good for me. It's been cathartic for me. Uh, it's also been um, I've heard really good things from other people who also have these different things um, that they really appreciate it and that they feel like this is representative of them as well. Um, and it's, uh, it's trying, or at least it's trying to give a voice to people that don't have a lot of a, vo of a voice most of the time. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you're working on a body of work and you're usually working from one singular image to the next image, to mm -hmm. the next image, and then all of a sudden you have a body of work. Right. So when you look at that work collectively and you see them as, as a whole, is there anything that surprises you in terms of? taking a look at all that all of that and you and do you see something that you might not have immediately picked up when you were actually making the singular photographs that's an interesting question um nothing jumps to mind honestly um most of most of what i do um has its roots even if it's not immediately evident like with the the chronic fatigue photos um even if it's not you know really on the surface pretty much everything has its roots within my psyche somewhere or my experience uh, or at least um, movies that I watch, literature that I read, this kind of thing. So pretty much everything is very personal to me, even if I'm not necessarily the model in it. Okay. Um, so for the, I would say for the most part, it, there isn't a whole lot that's too surprising to me. Well, you've been doing some work um, in that revolve around mythology. Mm-hmm. So tell me about about that. So I, I suspect it's always been a long, yes. a long time interest. Mm -hmm. And what spurred you to start incorporating that that interest in in terms of the photography? Uh, it has always been pretty much as long as I can remember an interest of mine. Um, I think I was probably about fourteen when my mom happened to give me a book of Greek mythology, and that was just it. Then you know I was interested in mythology for the rest of my life. After that, um, I was a little bit more into my mid-teens when I sort of inadvertently discovered uh, Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung through the work of others. It was sort of um, derivative of their work, um, but it was once I grew up and actually started reading their work, I was like, oh, this is them just wrapped up differently um so it's it's always been really interesting to me um i think the thing that's been that's brought it most to the forefront recently is my dream world series because that focuses on um like the characters of the world that we go to when we go to sleep which came to me one night when i couldn't sleep and i was uh wishing that there was you know some person you could like pay to go get a good night's sleep or you know something like that um so then i started getting these ideas for these different characters um but within your your dream self 
and your dream world, there's so much symbolism um, and mythology, both both uh, personal mythology and sort of collective mythology of the culture that you live in. Um, it's really come more and more to the forefront of my work through that series. Is there a particular story that's always sort of stood out for you that you, you particularly had a had an affection for? Uh, in mythology? Yeah. Norse mythology is my favorite. I mean, the thing that comes to mind right now, although I'll probably think of something better later, um, but the thing that I like best is um, the the way that Loki's character evolves throughout Greek myth or excuse me, North mythology. He starts out um, as sort of more of just the, your standard trickster kind of god, like a, a puck sort of character. Um, but they all evolve in this very like graphic novel sort of way um, and by the end of their their story he's really become just a bad guy um, and at the end of Greek, I keep saying Greek mythology at the end of Norse mythology all the gods die which it's like the gods shouldn't be able to die they're <laughs> gods um, but even the gods can die and they have their own heaven that they can go to um, and I just think that's such a fascinating concept and something that you don't really see in most mythologies you know most of yeah. them are the gods are gods and and they live forever and that's how it is well you 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 mentioned that um, you're working with a limited budget mm -hmm. yes. so, <laughs> and it's always I, I always think that working with limitations of some sort are all, always much better fodder mm -hmm. for creativity yeah. than having a lot of money, a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, so to talk about that, because I think a lot of people, when they see work, um, they, especially as, as inventive as yours, they, they, they make the assumption that, you know, she must have some resources <laughs> available to you. And you're no. pretty much working <laughs> solo for, your, yeah. for yourself. So tell me about how those limitations you feel have really helped you in terms of what you're doing. Um, I do feel like it's helped me to, to have these limitations, although sometimes it can be really frustrating when it's like, okay, if I just had $1,000, I can buy the things that I want. But, um, you know, I think in the end, it would be a less meaningful photo um, if I hadn't worked so hard to um, to bring it about. Um, so it's it's a lot of um, just you know finding things that are on sale at Michaels or thrift stores and building things. Um, the uh, there there's um, one of my dream dream world photos that's the court of the dryad queen where she has this huge. Um, crown that's made out of sticks and branches and that was literally just I went around the yard and gathered branches and tied them together with wire and some spray paint and that was it <laughs> and it looks great but um, you know the most that I spent on it was the cost of a couple cans of spray paint um, and it looks wonderful but you would never know that it was you know maybe $40 um, and you know, I, I do a lot of shooting. I'm able to shoot in my yard quite a lot because there's yeah, beautiful trees nice, yeah. here. Um, but even when I can't shoot in the yard, there's woods everywhere around here within very short driving distances. Um, so, and that's free, <laughs> you know. Um, so taking advantage of nature in whatever ways I can is something that I always try and do. Um, but outside of that, it's just it's just a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and yeah. and building things, um, and I usually don't have 
uh, a plan when I'm starting out of exactly how I'm going to build these. Like I wasn't sure how I was going to make the crown until I really just started getting into it and um, trying different things and seeing what worked. You mentioned earlier about spending numerous hours in in, in Photoshop, mm-hmm. but um, what's I know that it's going to vary from mm-hmm. image to image, but in terms of the amount of time that you're investing from like pre-production you know, actually shooting it, putting it together in post. How does that break down on, on, on average? Uh, obviously, it can vary quite a bit. Um, with uh, something really elaborate like uh, the Dryad picture, I spent a couple months altogether. Well, not not straight months, but I spent a couple months working on her crown, the dress, um, all the details of her costume, Um gathering photos of the birds that I was going to be photoshopping into it. Um, So, I mean, it can take a really long time pre-production, but then there's other things. Um, I had a shoot uh, just over the weekend where I went out with a model and, you know, gave her a dress that I already had and we stood in, right, I stood her in a really beautiful setting and that was it, you know, so that was like five minutes pre-production. So, um, I would say on average though, it's probably somewhere around maybe 10 hours pre-production. Um, some of the, some of the more elaborate, um, edits that I've done have gone into the 40 or 50 hours of working on an image. Yeah, I try not to do that. <laughs> I try to uh, get as much done in pre-production as I can and save myself some work. Um, but, you know, sometimes you don't have options for things. So um, it's probably something more like 20 or 30 hours that I spend on an image on a whole. Although occasionally you'll get some that are just like, okay, here you go, you know, basic editing. Um Two hours, you're done. Um, but that's pretty un- unusual. So how many do you ha- in that series do you have currently? The Dream World? Yeah. Um, I th- Somewhere between half a dozen and a dozen right now. But there's um, there's a bunch that are in the pre-production stages right now. Um, there's a few more that I just shot recently. Um, there's going to be quite a lot more of that coming in the near future. So th- beyond you know what you see on the screen... Um, What's your? Do you make prints of these? Are are you posting them online? I mean, what's what's sort of the end game in terms of what you're helping to do with the work? Uh, I do sell prints. Um, I have an Etsy shop that I sell them through, so that I can really control uh, both the sizes and the quality and the number of prints. Um, so I, I don't do like uh, Society Six or Redbubble for those kind of things, although they're great services, but they or not what I want to do um, through, I do some um, like blank greeting cards and things like that through uh, Redbubble, but um, that's about it. Um, the uh, The end game is to hopefully uh, have, you know, more gallery showings, especially of the Dream World series. Um, I'm trying to hold on to as many of the props and costumes as I can um, and save them so that, you know, they can eventually all be shown together. Um, and uh, there's um, there's some some things that are going to be coming up in the near future, although I can't say too much about it right now, um, that are going to involve like book covers and that kind of thing that is also something that I'm very interested in and very excited about. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. 
Now, along with these templates that they've created, which beautifully showcase your photographs, whether it's on a computer or a cell phone or a tablet, they've also made it easy to actually bring in a variety of different content into your site. And that can include videos from YouTube or Vimeo, photo galleries, even Google Maps. And, and the really cool thing about it is that you don't have to sit at your computer in order to make that happen because they have these apps for the iPhone, the iPad, the Android version that allow you to actually add content to your site on the go. If you, if you take a fantastic photograph and you want to put it on your blog and actually write a blog entry, you can do it from your cell phone or from your iPad. That is, is way cool. If, if you did have a traditional sort of website, you'd have to wait until you actually got home and on your computer to be able to do that. But now you can do it anytime and anywhere. And for me, that's, that's really exciting. And you have the opportunity to play with it today and it will cost you absolutely nada. You just, to sign up for a free account, just go to squarespace.com and sign up for a free account. There's no credit card needed at all, so it's not going to cost you a dime. And then if you are interested in purchasing it and you find that this is something that really works for you, you can use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, including monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. Well, it's interesting that you've been shooting for a relatively short period of time, mm-hmm. but you're, you're you're putting your work out there and you're being very uh, aggressive mm-hmm. in terms of doing that. And I in in some people who've been shooting longer um, still have a hard time pulling images off of their hard drive uh-huh. or from their from their drawer, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's a big part of the complete creative process for you in terms yeah. of getting it out there and mm-hmm. selling the work. And and tell me about why do you think that's particularly important for you? Because a lot of people don't don't do what you're doing, even though their work may be exceptionally mm-hmm. good. Um, for me, it's become more and more important. Um, well, I guess I'll back up a little bit. Um, when I first started, it was just like I'd already had a Flickr account just for my modeling photos. And I was like, oh, I'll put up some of my the, the photos that I shot myself. And they got kind of a good response. So, you know, it was encouraging to continue doing that. Um, at this point, um, uh, as we, yesterday was actually just uh, my fifth year anniversary with uh, having Emmy, uh, and it's definitely getting worse every year. Um, and I don't know how rapidly it's going to progress. Nobody knows. Um, or, I mean, it could also just like cut off right here and, you know, I never get any worse or any better. So it's not like it definitely will get worse, but, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my art career going as quickly and, um, as well as possible so that, because that is one area that I am going to be able to do as a means of um, getting a living, uh, even if I can't hold down a regular job, which mm-hmm. is not going to be too possible in the near future. You know, there are several photographers who um, started off very much the same way, like mm-hmm. Brooke Shaden, mm-hmm. uh, Miss Aniela, um, and I, both of whom I've interviewed on the show. And it's been really interesting to see how they take. Uh, this launching pad of 
making photographs of themselves or mm-hmm. creating concepts and they be- basically like you said create a career for themselves mm-hmm. and and it's fascinating to see over the last 10 years how Flickr, the social media, yeah. has provided an avenue for people to do that where before it was strictly through having you know having a gallery, having mm-hmm. an exhibit, having a, a rep and all that right. uh, other stuff. And it's it's great to see people being able to find an audience for their work mm-hmm. without having to go through those traditional uh, those traditional pathways. Yeah. But I'm sure that it it has involved a learning curve, mm-hmm. some oh, yeah. challenges. Mm-hmm. So what what have some of those been for you in terms of being able to? Because it's it's one thing to put out a shingle and put out your work, right. but if no one's <laughs> looking at it, and no one's buying it. Uh-huh. It's, it's a moot point. So, um, well, one thing I would say is that, uh, from my experience at least, you do have to send out a lot of submission letters to get one positive one in return. Um, so I keep a list actually of all the magazines and galleries and whatever that I've written to. Um, and then I try and update it with, you know, whether I got a response or not. But if, um, if I were to show it to you, I mean, it's maybe 5% that you, in my case at least, um, that I've gotten responses back from at all. And from those responses, most of them are negative. Um, not necessarily like, we don't like your work, but, you know, mm-hmm. just don't have a space for you right now. Um, so I would say that that's been one sort of learning curve is figuring out just how much writing you have to do to people in magazines and galleries to get anything going. Um, yeah, I guess that's about the, the biggest thing. So finding finding the people who with whom your work resonates, what when you have found those people, Mm-hmm. What what have you discovered in terms of their reaction to your work? Because it's one thing to look at your own work, but uh, oftentimes when you get other people looking at it, their reactions to it are can be sometimes surprising. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they're seeing are things that you went, oh, I yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see that. So <laughs> uh-huh. tell me about that those experiences in terms of how other people's perception of of your work. Um, well, for the it, it can vary a little bit. Um, for the the chronic fatigue series, um, it's been really, really pretty positive. Um, I don't think I've had anyone say anything negative about that actually. Um, and it's mostly been people, other people, you know, who have the same kind of diseases, um, who take the time to write me and say thank you for representing us in some way because there really isn't a lot of art that deals with these things in particular um since it's you know kind of a a rare thing to begin with um so i mean there's been that end of it there's also i mean for the most part i haven't had really a lot of like negative criticism about my work um sometimes i'll have people give sort of constructive feedback about it but that's kind of a different thing uh, but there is one photo um, that uh, is actually uh, of Brooke Shaden, because um, we're sort of, you know, internet friends. Um, and she modeled for me one day. And she's holding, like, a ball of light. And it was inspired by this book that I'd read um, that was sort of a, a dark and scary book um but everybody who looks at it thinks that it's something about maternity and being a mother because she's holding it sort of near her stomach and i was thinking having it 
her she's holding it like near her sternum where like your core of yourself is um to sort of represent your soul maybe mm -hmm. um but everybody sees it as like um something about motherhood which is i mean that's fine if they want to see it that way it's not like that's you know, I have a problem with that, but it's not at all what I had intended. Uh, you, you mentioned that your husband's a, a photographer. Mm -hmm. What's what's his response been to 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 the work and and your progress? Because I'm sure he may not have anticipated <laughs> to what extent you were going to take this interest in photography. Yeah, definitely. I don't think either of us did. Um, he's been extremely supportive in everything. Um, if I, you know, especially when I was starting, I'd be like, okay, I kind of want to do this sort of thing. And he would try and help me figure out a way to do it. Um, his style is very, very different. He's much more like a gorilla portrait kind of photographer, very minimalist, um, much more like capturing um, true portraits of people when they let their guard down as opposed to like setting up a concept. So, mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, we're like yin and yang, you know, we're total opposites. Um, but that's also been really good for me because he's excellent for me to show um, things that are works in progress to um, because there's things that I won't necessarily see in something as I'm editing it that he'll pick up on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. That does. That would be better if it was this other way. Um, and since he's coming at it from a very different perspective um it's been really handy to have him always around to bounce yeah. ideas off of it, se it seems then well there is the, the, there's been this huge community online primarily of women photographers who not only sort of use themselves uh, initially as their own subject matter but have really uh, embraced this this idea of conceptual photography and sharing it with, mm -hmm. a, with an online community all over the world. And you mentioned that you do have relationships with, 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 with Brooke. It seems like that whole dynamic has been so intertwined with the relationships that people have been able to build mm -hmm. online. And that for me is, is, is fascinating because photography for, so, for the longest time has been such a isolated experience mm -hmm. it's such a sort of a solo effort for the most part yeah yeah and it seems like a there's this huge generation of, of photographers um that have really grown and been nurtured by not just the fact that they can learn from other people online mm -hmm. but but they're able to build a very supportive community community for experimentation mm -hmm. And, I, and it seems like that that's been the case for you as well. Yeah, there's been um, quite a few photographers that I just knew from their work online um, that I've been able to either meet in person or at least, you know, exchange emails with and um, become friends with on, on some level at least. Um, and, you know, it's been great to have other people that have been in it a little bit longer that I can talk to about things and say like, okay, I'm thinking about pricing prints. What do you think about this kind mm. of thing? Um, which is always, there, there's no right answer for that, but you know, it's, it's good to get other ideas at least about from people who've been doing it a little bit longer. So it's been really great. I think um, it's, I've found the community to be really supportive and open. Um, you could see that it could be very competitive or cutthroat um yeah. but that's not at all how i found it to be 
And I'm sure there are people out there who feel that way, but um, I've not met those people yet. Everybody I've come in contact with has been really great. When people come in and reach out to you, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that some of them are photographers, but probably people who aren't photographers at all. What What are some of the pe- things that you hear that you really kind of didn't expect to, to hear from people who email you or, or call you because of the fact that they've seen your work? Um, when I started photography, certainly, and was not anticipating, like, really doing anything with it, um, the response that my um, chronic fatigue photos got really startled me, um, both from people who have it and from people who don't. Um, and it was kind of like, oh, I'm, I think I'm kind of hitting on a nerve here mm-hmm. that um, has been largely untapped for the most part. Um, so that was very startling to me at the beginning. Uh, recently, I've I was uh, gotten what's the word that I want? Um, the uh, director of Conlon Press, who puts is a publisher. They put out um, a bunch of different people's work, but uh, they put out the work of Peter S. Beagle, who's one of my two favorite authors. Um, they reached out to me recently um, because I've been doing. I, through my whole photographic career I've been doing works inspired by his works um, and they reached out to me recently and want to collaborate and work together which is, is something I would have never that expected be yeah because <laughs> yeah. he's like my hero and my idol so um, to be able to work with him in any extent is of course a thrill to me or and also just you know if somebody wants to pay me to, for my work that's you know a big thing for me too um so to, to have those two things together has been uh, really really exciting for me it's great when you, when you put your work out there you never know what to to fully expect mm-hmm. and there's always this trepidation of whether someone's going to like it or not mm-hmm. but it's always fascinating when something happens that you could never expect mm-hmm. and I think that that is probably one of the more gratifying things about being an artist and putting your work out there yeah. is that the the complete experience of creating a, a piece of art isn't fulfilled until you have someone who connects to it mm-hmm. and resonates yeah you know with mm-hmm. it so now that you're sort of now that you know you're not creating your work just for yourself right. uh-huh. does that inform at all in terms of what you're doing or or do you put that aside and just go I'm just about making my work right now and then I'm not really going to be concerned too much <laughs> with what what the reaction is going to be either good or ill. Um, I, tr- I try not to think about other people's opinions too much because um, the reason that I got started in art at all was just to create for myself and I think that um, unless you know you your job is to work with companies and create ideas for them or you know something like that um if you're just doing it because you want to do it um i feel like you should just do what you want to do and create the things that you want to create and not try and necessarily please other people um sometimes i'll think about uh a photo and i'll go oh this one's gonna go over really well or it won't uh and Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, occasionally the, the thoughts will occur to me about the reception that it may or may not get, but I don't really let that um, influence what I do. Um, I would say the 
the biggest way that it probably influences me is just in um, sort of the descriptions that I put with photos and okay how how deeply do I want to bore everybody with uh, you know the details of life having a me you know mm-hmm. this kind of thing um, but uh, but outside of that it's I just I'm gonna be creating whether people are looking at it or not so I may as well just do what I like yeah I saw your image of Laura Cohen mm-hmm. from uh, the actress from yeah. from the Walking Dead mm-hmm. how did that happen was that one of the surprises that you that ended up happening as a result of you putting out your single as a photographer a little bit um, I'd done some work with um, with a couple of other actors from her management company um, and they put her in contact with me and said, we think you should shoot with this girl. Um, so that was, that was really cool too. <laughs> and I have other actors that I would like to eventually get to, but you know, maybe they'll come in a little bit later. Do you find that, that there's something that happens when you're working with an actor, as opposed to someone who's quote unquote, a model that you're able to work with better or differently? Um, it's just, it's a little apples and oranges. Um, in some ways, they're very similar because ultimately with my work, I'm asking people to act to a degree. Um, you know, I want you to be this dryad queen or, you know, whatever. Um, so, so to a certain extent, it's a very similar process. Um, with actors, there's sort of more red tape that you have to go through and... Uh, what you're allowed to do with the photos afterwards can mm-hmm. be quite a bit different. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, your work may get a huge boost just from having worked with them, even if you don't necessarily do all that much with the photo afterwards. Um, so it, it can be, it's a little apples and oranges, but okay. but good. So when when you're working with someone, you have that, that how how much time do you end up spending with them in terms of we talk about about directing the model, mm-hmm. but in terms of explaining to them what you're doing, I think that that oftentimes really helps. Yeah. Rather than just saying, "Okay, put your arm here, yeah. turn your mm-hmm. head there." Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the collaboration that you create with them, how what's that like? How how much information do you provide them in terms of the idea and the feeling that you're hoping to convey in the photograph so that you're able to succeed in producing the image that you want? Um, For the most part, I talk to them quite extensively about the photo beforehand. Um, Usually um, it starts with an email when I first um, talk to the model or whoever it ends up being um, about the concept, um, and I kind of give them an overview of this is the character and this is kind of what it's going to look like and and I'm sorry you're going to have to be in the freezing river and stand there for half an hour while I shoot you but you know this kind of thing um I try and prep them for whatever physical discomforts they're going to have to endure during the shoot um and then once the shoot day actually comes um then usually it's sort of refreshing over that because it's often been a while since my initial email to them about it and the time that we're shooting um so then i kind of go over it again with them but usually usually the models have to listen to me talk quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> well it seems like you're you're getting people that are fairly reliable yes so i, I mm-hmm. think that's really important and a lot of people mm-hmm. think about model mayhem and right you know most people are notoriously mm-hmm. unreliable yes. not, not everyone but for yeah. a good number yeah so in terms of you choosing mm-hmm. people and casting which is pretty mm-hmm. much what you're what you're doing yeah 
um, what are some of the consideration, considerations that you're making? Because, like you said, um, because of your health issues, you mm-hmm. you need to be someone to have someone who's reliable mm-hmm. who you're going to be able to work with. Yeah. And sometimes you may not have the benefit of having worked with them previously. So yeah. So mm-hmm. tell me about the the considerations that you have to make in order to be able to make that commitment. Um, it's it's a little different every time. Um, at this point, I've been very fortunate to kind of have a stable of girls that I can pull from pretty reliably who are pretty available and um, who like what I do and, you know, they enjoy the the process and the end result. Um, So it's been, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to find such great models to work with who have pretty much um, all become friends of mine because they're just like wonderful people too. Um, But when I'm looking to cast somebody new, um, my first thought is usually, I don't want to cast somebody new because I like having the same people that um, that I know are going to work well. Um, but occasionally it, it happen, has to happen. So, um, yeah, it's usually kind of a couple of emails back and forth and getting a feel for them as people because uh, I find that if we get along as people and if they seem like they're actually interested in what I'm doing as opposed to just you know, collecting another photo for their portfolio, um, that we're going to have a better working relationship. What's one of the things that has surprised you about making the choice to be a a photographer? I mean, you mentioned some things in terms Mm -hmm. of people's reactions to your work and, and how it's allowed you to sort of express yourself creatively and, and also address and share about your own your own physicality in terms mm-hmm. of what's happening. But has there been anything that you felt like, wow, I never could have anticipated this about choosing to express myself with the camera? Uh, the work with uh, Peter S. Beagle is definitely one of those things. Um, you know, I've read his books forever. I grew up watching The Last Unicorn. Um, so it's that was just a huge, huge thrill for me. Um, Otherwise, I mean, I would just have to say it's surprising to me that my work does seem to resonate with so many people because it's just, I mean, like I said, I'm going to be doing the same thing whether people are looking or not. I'm glad they're looking um, and I'm glad that they're responding to it. But, um, you know, it's something that I have to get out some way, one way or another. So um, if, you know, people like it and I can make a career out of it, great. (laughs) <laughs> well, my last question, which I ask each guest, is I ask them to recommend or suggest another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Um, you should interview Jeff Ashley, who is my husband, because he is an <laughs> excellent photographer and he taught me everything I know. And where can people go to find out more about you and everything that you do? Uh, you can go to my website, which is sarahallegra.com. And you can also find me on Flickr um, under the name Artos the Bear. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I thank enjoyed you. talking to you. Thanks. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast 
on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod, and this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.